when we shine a light on these origin stories that are behind the ridiculousness, <laughs> we can finally let them go and we can finally grow, grow into who we're supposed to be. These aligned, blissful versions of ourselves who are here to serve and love others as opposed to sitting in petty grievance. Welcome back to another episode of To Be Authentic, the only podcast that teaches you how to build a bridge to the life you want from the life you have using human design, the gene keys, and the work. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back to To Be Authentic. I'm your host, Stacey Estrella, and I'm so excited about today's episode because we're going to go deep on a situation that happened for me over the last two weeks where I really got to watch my mind and go through the process of deconditioning. The terms, as I mentioned in my last episode, the terms conditioning and deconditioning are very, very off-putting. They sound very cultish. They sound very technical. They're very jargony. They're very kind of mean, <laughs> quite frankly. At least that's how I feel when I experience those terms. And yet they are the very source of our healing. When we understand where the conditioning comes from, those origin stories, those early wounds, those you know, flippant comments that someone said some point in our life that created self-doubt or pain or something that we had to defend against going forward and that we've forgotten about and that comes out in really absurd, <laughs> ridiculous, grown-up behavior, <laughs> okay? So when I first came up with this idea for this podcast for To Be Authentic, the reason I thought it was necessary is because it's the podcast or point of view that I really would have benefited from when I started my process of working with my human design. And it has to do with this conditioning, deconditioning stuff. Now, there are a lot of really, really great resources out there that you can find a lot about your chart, about your gates, about your profile lines, about your channels, about the energy centers. There's so much great information and there are a lot of great websites to pull from and a lot of great podcasts that teach you that. And so I just didn't really feel like my voice coming in to teach those details was going to be any added value. I feel like the, the voice that I can add that I think is of value and need is to demonstrate from my own experiences what it's like to live this stuff, right? How do you incorporate this beautiful thing called your human design chart, which is essentially the blueprint for how you're built and it's an operating system for how to manage it. How do you manage that energy? And also to debug it now that I think of it, because it is a map both to what your strengths are, which I call superpowers, and what your kryptonite is, where you're vulnerable to feeling insecure or feeling overwhelmed or feeling misdirected, misguided, lost, depending on where you are defined in your energy centers. So in my case, I have this wonderful example, okay, that I just, I thought, oh, I really need to share this with you because it's so petty and delicious in its pettiness <laughs> that, and ridiculous in its pettiness that I really need to share it. I really need to share this and get over my fear of being embarrassed about my pettiness because I think this is the stuff that we hide, all of our little petty grievances that we hide, and yet those things fester. These petty grievances, the minutia of our lives, this is where the healing is, guys. Like This is where you find your healing. When you, well, actually, when you follow your emotions and follow your mind and deconstruct what's really going on based on what you know about how your energy works. When the surface of your mind, think of a pond, a really still pond, when the surface of your mind or that pond is disrupted, when there's turbulence, that's a moment to pause and go, what's going on, right? 
Like what's happening here? Because when we are operating in alignment, we are operating in flow, in peace, in joy. That's what's happening when we are actually operating in alignment, making decisions with our, uh, with the intelligence of our bodies through our decision-making authority, right? We're not letting the mind and all of its petty grievances and fears and stories from the past try to rewrite the present, like what is happening in the moment. And basically sticking us or trapping us in these small boxes about who we once were or what we once experienced, okay? So I really, I value this process so much. And I want to assure you, first of all, it is scary. There's no question about it. When you start to notice your pettiness, you really you really do feel a sense of shame and embarrassment because basically what you start to realize is, oh my God, that's my six-year-old Stacy, right? Or that's my 12-year-old Stacy. Oh my gosh, like where did she come from? I, I thought I thought we were done with her. <laughs> you know, I thought I thought she was long gone. Mm -mm, right? No, it's her little wounds that she, you know, bucked up and decided weren't worth exploring because she didn't have the tools and she didn't have the support and she didn't know how to use her voice. And so she just kind of papered over those wounds and pretended like they didn't exist. And those get trapped in dysfunction. Those get trapped in the dysfunction for how grown-up Stacy communicates, talks, loves, shares, creates. And um, so anyway, I just want to, I want, I want you all to know it is a scary process. I do not want to underestimate that. And it takes a lot of curiosity and a lot of bravery, but it's a really, really exciting journey because once you begin and you start to do this a couple of times, one, it just becomes a great source of amusement, <laughs> quite frankly, when you can catch yourself and your mind trying to reframe your present that you actually have a sense of truth for in your body. And you're kind of going, okay, what is this, <laughs> right? So anyway, so let me take you on the journey of my mind and a situation that I have been working through over the last two weeks. Count that, two weeks for a really petty grievance, okay? This is the price of not healing ourselves is we get stuck in these petty little grievances. Okay, so here's the situation. Two weeks ago, so it was the Thursday before the Labor Day weekend, I have this friend and he recently quit his job. He had enough and he's extremely talented and he wants to start a culinary business. Now, I'm really interested in this business because for me as someone who supports myself as a single person, the amount of time that it takes to prepare a meal, cook a meal, and clean up after a meal for one mouth to feed is there's just an absurd amount of time that goes into that. Okay. And yet I want to, I want to eat, I want to eat healthy. I want to stay healthy. I want, I value high quality food and good preparation. I don't need a lot of fancy stuff, but I value the time that having prepared high quality meals in advance will save me so that I can do the things that I want to do like this podcast. Okay. And so I'm really sort of an ideal client for this friend of mine. And the Thursday before Labor Day, he texted me $30 for a quart of lamb stew. I forget the technical name for it, but it was lamb stew. <laughs> and so I immediately responded. I didn't even think about it. I just immediately responded. Yes. Now, I did not need the food. I had just been to the market. Okay. I had a lot of perishables and it's one of my pet peeves that I often buy too many fresh vegetables or fruits and they go bad. So I'm trying to really manage that and trying to tune in more to what is the 
right amount of produce so that I don't waste anything. I really, really, really abhor food waste. So I immediately responded yes, because I wanted to support him. I wanted him to have this early success for his business. I wanted him to feel the joy and the satisfaction that comes with making a sale. Because I know what that's like for me and my business. I know what it's like for me to book a reading or to book a new client for my consulting. It feels tremendous. Anyway, then I saw, I was on Instagram and I saw his Instagram post about this stew. And there were a couple of images on it. I think there were just two images. There was one image of it cooking. It was a video. And then you swipe and there was an image of it plated. And the plating included a side of couscous. <laughs> so I just want you to know, this is why, this is where the pettiness begins, okay? Here's the drama. And just to be clear, this drama is not about the couscous, okay? All that is, is a prop. It's just a prop. So when I'm telling you this story, you have to think about what's your couscous, right? What is your couscous prop, <laughs> okay? What is it? But you have your own version of couscous, okay? I'm just letting you know. So I'm sharing with you my own embarrassing pettiness so that you can laugh at it, but hey, make no mistake, you've got your own version of couscous, right? And this is an invitation for you to go find it, go investigate it. So anyway, I see in his Instagram post that the full meal version is including a side of couscous, which totally makes sense. This stew needs something else with it, either kale or whatever, right? Again, now I'm going into the details. See how my mind is coming in and it's justifying and it's saying, yeah, Stacey, that's, that's what our minds do. Yeah, you go, girl. You go. You're right. Okay? This is the mind. And it's so amusing when you start to catch it in its tracks. Okay? So uh, when I saw this picture, then, I, then I, could, I could allow myself to remember how I felt when I got the, the, the glass jar, which is a quart, technically a quart but it doesn't look like a court. And so suddenly I remember thinking, I paid $30 for this. So that was the backdrop because then when I, when I saw the plating on Instagram and I saw that, hey, he served it for himself with couscous, was I just the, you know, I got the leftovers. You know, I just started to create all these stories and all of this drama about a side of couscous, okay? And isn't it just fun to say couscous, <laughs> okay? So then the mind is on a roll, okay? And it starts to just build itself up, all right? It starts to build a presence and make this thing an issue for me, right? Taking up valuable energy, optimism, and space that I have much better things to do with, right? I have many more things I'd like to spend my time doing than be thinking about this or having it take up any of my energy, all right? And what starts to go on is there are all these stories that start to stem from this, these grievances. And really what, what is happening is this, this whole couscous situation was an opportunity for some of my pains to come up in relation to this person. So. What comes up for me as I'm sitting here thinking about, well, is it worth $30? And hey, shouldn't it come with the side of couscous? I'm thinking, you know, I just launched a business to be authentic. And this was a really, really big deal for me. Like this is the platform for the rest of my life. I've had a storytelling business for 10 years and suddenly now this this inspiration and download came that said, no, this is what you really need to be doing with all of this knowledge you have acquired in the last year and a half. I launched a business. I had a trailer for my podcast. I've been on Instagram and I've not had one single like or engagement either on or offline. No, at a girl, you know, at a girl, Stacy, good for you, right? To break through whatever was keeping you from, from doing this or Good for you for putting yourself out there, 
right? For being brave to put your story out there. Like nothing, okay? And so I'm realizing, oh, you know, and I'm bitter about it, right? Because I have not expressed this to him because I feel like what right do I have if he's not inspired by it? Like that's not my business. If he's not inspired by it, he's not inspired by it, right? So what if I, you know, sign on and like my friend's post just to show them support doesn't mean that's how he shows up or needs to show up or what's correct for him. But still, I'm I'm feeling hurt and wounded. And it's exacerbated because, you know, after I buy this couscous and he drops it off, he texts me and says, oh, and please leave a review on Instagram, right? Against the backdrop of he has not liked any of my posts. He doesn't even bring them up. They could be invisible for all I know, right? To him. So this is this is the situation in the Byron Katie work. And I'm going to go a little off script with the Byron Katie because it's not ex- it's not the perfect Byron Katie, the work for questions script that I'm going to go through. I've already done that work behind the scenes. And what I do through To Be Authentic is I weave the work in, in that inquiry, I weave that into the process of using human design and the gene keys to understand and tease apart all of these strands of dysfunction, of shadow that are in the way of my being my full enlightened self, okay? I share this example, these details, the minutia, because it's these little moments that are where we learn the most. These are the moments that hold all the potential for our healing. When we look at them and we realize they're not small moments, they might look small from our grown-up perspective, but that's just the surface. It's like the iceberg. There is so much buried beneath it and they've just been there collecting, you know, when you look at a cross-section of soil or sediment or rock or the earth (laughs) and you see that there are all these different layers, right? unique layers of different types of silt, different types of grime, different types of dirt. And this is the process of clearing all that out. It's these moments of falling into shadow energy and fear-based thinking that are a habit. And this is what human design is here to help you break, is these habitual ways of interacting with your environment or the people in your life that keep you from putting your best self forward. These moments are here to show us that we can choose differently, but we have to be aware. These moments are where the pettiness, the jealousy, the self-righteousness, the judgments, the crimes, right? of the other. And I love, I love, this is a Byron Katie phrase, the crimes, what crime did they commit? You know, when we stand here judging our neighbor, right? What crime did they commit? And it is like, that's what the ego feels. The ego feels like this was a crime. This was an assault on me. Okay. And so I love to use that, that phrase about the crimes and what was his crime? His crime was that he didn't show up for me. He did not show gratitude for my being there as his customer in that moment for him. And I got to tell you, when you see that, you realize I started out saying, oh yeah, I want to support him. Feeling like I was being so generous, right? This generosity is unclean. It was manipulative and it had expectations attached for how he would respond. Okay. How often do you go through life making gestures with conditions attached. You may not realize you have conditions attached 
but you have conditions attached. And that's why you are later frustrated, angry, confused, disappointed, or resentful, right? I hate seeing this side of me and I hate saying it, let alone sharing it, because it ain't pretty, (laughs) okay? It ain't pretty. But that's why I'm here, because in the process of sharing with you these foibles and flaws, I'm healing. And hopefully it will inspire you to look for those same stories in your own life. So let's talk about deconditioning, all right? What is deconditioning? So now I'm going to break down that whole story, all the drama, okay? A lot of drama there that lasted from the Thursday before Labor Day, so roughly, you know, a week and a half, maybe 10 days, okay? And now I get to share it with you. So on the last episode, I provided the definition for conditioning. I'm going to do it again. The definition for conditioning, if you look it up on the internet, is the process of training or accustoming a person or animal to behave in a certain way or accept certain circumstances, okay? That's conditioning. So what is deconditioning? Deconditioning is the process of unlearning. I did not look this up. I just reversed it. And I love the word unlearning. We must unlearn these habits. We must unlearn the cycle of addiction to our drama and our petty grievances. We must unlearn these things. And it is a process. It is not overnight. It is from now until the rest of your life. Truly. There's a lot there to excavate. I promise you. But it's really fun when you start doing it and you can just learn to laugh at yourself. Okay. What deconditioning does is it helps us short circuit the addiction to our drama and the familiar comfort of our shadow, right? Where we just go into autopilot and try to explain blame, shame, explain away our suffering. Okay. The five-step deconditioning process that I use, step one, notice. The noticing is always in your body. Notice where's the dissonance, right? So this is becoming aware. I felt a disturbance in my belly and that disturbance was small at first, but then it started to fester. Okay. It started to grow as I got more information, you know, and I saw, oh, wait, there's a side in this. There's supposed to be some couscous, right? What? You want me to like your post or give you a review? And, you know, I didn't even get the whole meal. Are you kidding me? Like I, I'm all, you know, I want to support you, but I need the whole meal. That's what I'm in this for, right? Blah, 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 right? This festering kept growing. And so it starts to take up more space in my body, like a tumor, really. And the mental distraction, taking me away from life-giving activities like preparing for the next podcast or writing or creating, whatever it is, okay? And I'm gradually getting more and more angry. And anger is one of the telltale signs for a manifesting generator that I have somewhere made a faulty decision. Like that's your wayfinding mechanism. If I am angry, it is not the other person's fault. It's my fault because somewhere along the line, I betrayed myself. I did not follow my decision-making authority. That's why human design is so powerful. It allows you to be accountable to yourself. And in that way, you show up better for everyone else, right? Step two for me is neutralize, right? So how do I neutralize now this belief or situation? So I've got to, I've, I've got to neutralize the, the hold that it has on me, right? It's got this grip on me emotionally. How can I neutralize that? This to me is really where Byron Katie's The Work becomes so powerful in neutralizing these beliefs, the blaming and the shaming and the petty grievance, right? So I have this statement that I said earlier in this episode. I didn't need the food, but I wanted 
to support them. Is it true? Okay, let's separate those two statements. <laughs> okay, I didn't need the food. Is it true? Well, yeah, it is true. I had already stocked my fridge. I did not need anything else to fill it. Okay, I had fresh produce that I've already told you I did not want to spoil. Let's take the second part of that statement. But I wanted to support them. Is it true? Actually, it isn't true. And this is where, again, it's like, ooh, that stings, right? That stings. Because the truth of the situation is in the turnaround. And this is what's always so great and empowering because that's what the neutralizing is about. It's about taking back your power from your mind and your emotions. How do you take back your power and get back into stasis, right? And the turnaround in the Byron Katie work is always, you always realize that you've been projecting on the other in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't seem like it when you first describe the situation or the wounding from the other, right? Oh, I wanted to support him, right? This is what the ego is saying. Let me show how generous I am. I want to support him. It's like, no, actually that wasn't true. I wanted him to support me. And so what I was doing was acting out of that need that I had for myself that I wasn't able to vocalize or demand from him. You know, I had been sitting with my wounds, which I actually haven't worked through. The, is it true that he hasn't seen them? Is it true that he doesn't like them? Is it true that he hasn't noticed what I'm doing on Instagram? And the reality is, is I don't, I don't know. Maybe he likes them and he's just not actively acknowledging it. I don't know. That's not for me to know. And all of this is about taking back our power from our minds and our egos that are always trying to make us right. They would rather have us be right than healthy. They would rather have us be right than aligned until we make them work for us. Okay. Until we get our mind and our ego to work for us in alignment with our design, in alignment with our gift energy that we get from the gene keys. And that's the work that the Byron Katie work helps us do is really interrogate all of these situations so that we can get back to, oh, right. This is what's really going on. How silly, right? How silly of me, right? Step three, deconstruct. So let's now deconstruct what's really going on here. So where is the source and the origin story, right? There's some reason that I am disturbed and has nothing to do with the couscous, nothing. What is it? Where is it? Okay. I need to find that inside me. Okay. What's really going on here? So this is where it is so powerful to bring in your human design and your gene keys. Your blueprint is how you're wired. It, it is so masterful at helping you see the energy that you have to work with, what is conscious and what is unconscious to you. Okay. You have your unique user manual. That's what this is about. And that's what the gene keys are about in terms of helping you know and identify and diagnose where is your energetic frequency for your gate activations? Are you in shadow? Are you in gift? Are you in city? Which is the enlightened energetic frequency. So here's how it breaks down for me. I want to be likable. I hate saying this kind of stuff. Okay. This comes from the conditioning of my undefined solar plexus. This is what happens. If you have an undefined solar plexus and you have this insecure need to be liked by the other, to not hurt someone else's feelings, because that was another thing that was going on. I wanted him to feel success. I didn't want his feelings to be hurt by my saying no. Well, like we can interrogate that belief. Would they be hurt? I don't know. Is it true? I don't know. You know, maybe not. Why do I think I have so much power to, to 
affect his emotional state if I don't say yes to his $30 quart of lamb stew, right? Why do I give myself this much power or this much responsibility for another person's feelings? We are all here on our own journey. And my saying no might've been important for him to hear, right? For him to come back and say, hey, why not? I could have said, hey, because I actually need a whole meal. This doesn't help me. I still have to cook something to go with this, to help him understand that he was only solving part of my problem, but not the whole problem, right? That would have been more helpful to him than me just saying yes in that moment. So the reason why I am conditioned in this way, and again, the undefined or open centers doesn't mean that you are a victim. So I am not trying to victimize myself in any way, shape, or form. This is where I have the opportunity to grow in this life, right? I have undefined solar plexus. 50% of us have that, roughly, which means we are really, really vulnerable to being conditioned to not speak our truth because we do not want to disturb the peace of the other, right? We're afraid that that's going to hurt someone else's feelings. We're afraid of what they're going to think of us whatever. Okay. So this is part of what I am working with. And, and that's what I realized. Oh, it's that thing again, right? It's that thing again. And this is what's really great about the gene keys. I've talked about the Venus sequence before, and there are six different activations. There's a path that uh, you go on. And there are three of those gene key spheres, which are particularly important, at least they have been for me because they have helped me in immeasurable ways. And they are the three spheres of our childhood where we develop these wounding patterns and these ways of relating to others in an effort to defend against feeling those wounds again. Okay. So look at this. So zero to seven, eight to 14, 15 to 21. Okay. So there's a 14-year period where I have gate 13. It is the gate of fellowship, the gate of the listener, as the prominent activation. Its city energy is empathy. This is what makes me very good at my work in storytelling and as a coach, because I have this capacity to really, really feel and hold space for the other. The wounding comes from my experience from age eight to 21, where I am deeply sensitive to the other, but the shadow that was anchored in that era, those 14 years was to neglect my own needs, to settle for being ignored or for being invisible, or for being unseen. And the shadow frequency for that gene key is uh, discord. And discord is another word for pessimism. And the two beliefs that I, I took away from that period that are from my wounding, and it's, it's nobody's fault, let me be clear. It's just life, and it's, it was my... It was the way that I interpreted experiences and situations and labels and conversations and responsibilities and, and on and on and on and on. Okay. But for me, the two takeaways from that period were the first was that I would never be fully appreciated or seen or loved for all that I am, that I will only be seen through different facets, right? That the whole of me cannot fit into another person's perception of me. So that was the first wound. And so I would just have to be okay being partially seen, which also means being partially judged, partially dismissed, partially all of this, right? If someone can't see the whole of me, then I have to accept that I somehow have to fit into their version of me. Think how painful that is to have to fit into someone else's version of you. 
And it might not even be the part of you that you adore or love the most or value the most, right? And so that was the first wound. The second wound was just feeling like someone isn't going to be there for me when I need them, whether for resources or for affection or whatever it is, that they actually won't be there. So I have to get okay being super self-sufficient financially, materially, emotionally, right? I can't have my needs met to take up space or to ask for help or to ask for anything is to offend the other, right? If they don't already realize that they want to be there for me, then my asking them is going to create a false showing up, right? And so how did this manifest in this experience of mine? Well, my mind starts to just run with it, right? Hey, $30 a quart, he just sent it to me in a text. He didn't post his pricing on Instagram. Is he using discretionary pricing? Is he charging me more than he's charging other people, right? Because he knows I can afford it, because he knows that this is a value to me, right? Wait a minute, $30? How dare he charge $30? He doesn't have any overhead. You know, I need the couscous. I need the side. This doesn't solve my meal problem. I'll still have to make something to go along with it, right? So this is what the mind is doing in this place of discord because what I'm doing now, and this is how the mind works, I am creating distance and I'm getting to that place where, oh, I didn't need it any, anyhow. And next time he asks me to buy, I'll just show him and I'll say no. Like this is really, I'm a grown up. You wouldn't know it <laughs> from this example, but I'm an adult. But I share this because I know I'm not alone. We have these petty experiences every day of our life. And what they are, instead of looking at them as petty experiences, let's start looking at them as invitations to dig underneath and see what that's about and heal that. Because these petty grievances have their roots in stories long over, but have taken residence in you that you're not even aware of. They just show up when you start acting out in the way that I'm acting out, right? So what's really going on that I'm realizing is I'm angry. I'm angry and I have unexpressed anger. I haven't even expressed it to myself. That's what this whole experience is allowing me to do is own my feelings. Express and own my anger. I'm angry. I feel like I'm being used. You know, he doesn't have the generosity to show up on, on my stuff, you know, and comment on my stuff. And yet he has the audacity to ask me to comment on his and to buy his product. And the other thing, and this is the kicker, because this is a big shadow for me. I had expectations. Now, we hear a lot about how expectation can get in the way of our joy. In my design, my human design specifically, it's one of the gates of my incarnation cross and it's unconscious. It's my unconscious earth. Unconscious. This is what I need to spend my life staying alert for. When do I have an unconscious expectation for the other? When do I have an unconscious expectation for myself? Because that is in the way of making genuine, truthful, honest decisions. The shadow of expectation is the gene key expression of gate 42, which is the gate of growth or increase, which is part of the channel of maturation. Maturation, immaturity is the opposite right? So this process of learning and growing, 
from witnessing. So step four of my deconditioning technique or process, reframe. This is where we take our power back, okay? This is about the new narrative, the new beliefs, and the plan that will shift our energetic frequency. For me, this starts with shifting my energy from expectation, first noticing it. Oh man, I have expectation again. I have an expectation that he would behave a certain way. That's what this is about and that he didn't. And I have to move that frequency, which is shadow and victim, into gift, which is empowerment. And the empowerment energy is detachment. The detachment of saying, oh, well, I guess to be authentic isn't for him. That's okay. There are other people it's for. You know, ridiculous, ridiculously easy once we catch ourselves. So now I can show up detached. The second I catch myself that I am having expectations, that I am in that victim shadow frequency, that I am operating in a way that's not genuine, that's not soulful, that's not soul aligned, that's actually a, a really first powerful step to immediately get back into your power, at least for me, to get back into my power. So the other thing, and this is part of the plan, okay, so what will I do next time he sends me a text? $30, lamb stew, chili, what have you. Next time he texts me his offer, instead of rushing to say yes, what I need to do is take a beat. And I got this from Cheetan Parkins. He's a really brilliant human design practitioner. And he's been doing it for years and years and years since the very, very beginning of human design. And what I like about his approach is he uses plain language so that it really makes it accessible. It's not so jargony. It makes it accessible to, to more. So I encourage you to look at his resources and I'll put links in the show notes. So what he says about manifesting generators, and I love this approach, it finally made sense because I had been looking for a distinction between manifesting generator and generator for a really long time. And what kept being served up to me in the courses I was taking is, well, generators follow step-by-step step and manifesting generators skip steps. And that just that just was not meaty enough for me. It's like, okay, that just feels so tactical and transactional. And I just had a sense that there was so much more. And the way Cheetan Parkin talks about the distinction between generators and manifesting generators is that manifesting generators, when we are responding to something, to know that it's correct for us, okay, we need to take a beat we might have a first initial sacral response that moves us, pulls us out of our chair and says, yeah, when someone invites us to dinner or the movies, for example, right? Yeah. It's when you're going to get your jacket and you're reaching for the doorknob to exit your house that you have the true answer. And so manifesting generators can get a lot of flack because we have a tendency to change our minds. And it's our responsibility to help others understand how to work with our energy. So I've actually developed the habit now of explaining to the people in my life that this is how my energy works. It feels really good now. It might not feel the same way in three days, right? And I just need you to know that because I don't want to be responsible for your disappointment if I cancel whatever it is, right? I don't want your plans to be dependent on me. And so keep planning your plans, but don't make them dependent on me. And I'll check in again when I have a, a decision, the final decision, and we'll go from there. And if I've missed the opportunity, I've missed the opportunity. That's okay. So this is what I mean by taking a beat. So now I know the next time the invitation shows up in my text messages, I'll take a beat, think about it, and then when it feels correct for me, I'll respond. Either yes or no, right? Depending on what's correct for me and not worry about what's going on in his 
life, whether or not it creates drama in his life. That's on him. Okay. I know it sounds callous and cold, but we are only responsible for our own emotional growth here. And, you know, going out of our way to actually hurt someone is, first of all, that would be operating out of alignment. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm not going out of my way to cause him suffering, but I'm acknowledging that I have my sovereignty in terms of my decisions and he has his sovereignty in terms of how he responds to those decisions, right? That's the exchange. That's the healthy exchange where we are showing up in our aligned selves. And so that will be part of my strategy going forward with him. And for other situations like this, take a beat. Don't say yes right away. <laughs> Even though you feel that urge of spontaneity, that surge of delight, right? And anticipation. So now step five, the last step, reclaim. <laughs> reclaim your power. You reclaim your power by rectifying the situation, right? You own your shit right? You own where you are operating out of alignment. And that's part of the reclaiming your power. It's like, I, this is how I behaved. It's so ridiculous. And I just want to share that with you. I'm owning it, right? And this is what elevates your energetic frequency. It gets you out of victim and into gift by making it right with the other. And so I'm going to tell you how I went about doing this because I think it's really hysterical. So I decided Saturday morning, by the way, I wound up getting the couscous on this past Friday. We were running an errand together and, you know, we hadn't talked about whether or not I had eaten the stew and how it was. And I brought it up to him. Oh, I haven't because I don't have anything to eat with it. I need to make something else. Do you have any more to couscous? And so it brought up that whole conversation about you know, the, the pricing and the meal and et cetera, et cetera. And we had a whole dynamic discussion about should it be included, the couscous or not in the pricing. And it kind of got heated. And I realized it got heated because I was carrying all of this baggage. Okay. In the end, he offered me the couscous that he had left over and I took it and thanked him for it. And then I went home and I'm telling you all that afternoon, I felt weird and icky inside. Now I have what I want, what my mind told me I wanted, but now I feel like crap because of the way that I got it. The way that I got it was manipulative, passive aggressive, angry, and I spent way too much time and energy on the path to getting this couscous. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh my gosh. The couscous is just, it's just hysterical. So I'm really sitting with these uncomfortable feelings because they're really uncomfortable. I have what I want now, right? Why am I unhappy? Why am I disturbed? Unhappy isn't the right word. I'm disturbed and I'm feeling, I'm feeling the daggers toward myself from myself. I'm feeling this, this shame and yeah, it's, it's shame. And, and I need to say this just for the record because this is going to be another podcast episode. I think I'm going to do it for next week. I have food shame issues. And so I didn't go into those at the start of this because it's really an entire podcast. And I know I'm not the only one with food shame issues, but this is what's playing out in this moment too, particularly with the couscous finally getting what I want. It's really coming out here. This is why I'm bringing up this topic right now. And I just sit with it, right? It's like, what is going on? Why all this drama, right? Why all the drama? And Saturday morning, I wake up and I'm an early riser. So I tend to get up at say four in the morning. It's just my natural biorhythm. It's where I do my best writing. It's where I do my best thinking. It's where the world is so quiet and peaceful that I really feel like I'm in touch with a higher source. That's where my wisdom is, is in these hours where I'm communing with something other than, you know, my small human self. And I found the answer. And the answer is all this material that became this podcast. The answer became 
this five-step process of deconditioning, what I went through to get to the other side, to reclaim my power and to do it in a loving and gentle and generous way. And in making it right, I decided I'm going to send him a text, my friend, and I'm going to let him know I'm going to take ownership of this. And so I did. I sent him a text. I took ownership of what was going on and I apologized in the text. And I explained that, you know, this is my own stuff and I'm owning it and I'm sorry. I shared the learning as well about the plan to next time he has an offer and he sends me a text, I'm just going to take a beat because really I wanted to inform him, which technically I am not a manifester, but I have that manifester uh, energy as an MG, as a manifesting generator. And so informing works to my benefit. And so I wanted to inform him in advance for the next time that he makes an offer to me that I am going to take a beat, that it might not be correct for me. And I know that I need to slow down in my decision-making instead of just saying, yes, I'm going to take a beat and think about it, right? And make sure actually, and feel about it, right? Because I'm sacral authority and my answers are in my body. And so today is Tuesday. Well, first of all, um, all of Saturday, I sent this message at four in the morning, heard nothing, nothing. No text, no nothing, no emoticons, no tap backs, nothing. Okay. It's now Tuesday where I'm recording this. It's 1023 in the morning, still heard nothing. And so I've been watching my own energy because in this moment, even I feel a little wounded. I put myself out there in a really vulnerable way and no acknowledgement. And it does hurt my feelings. I'm going to say it. It does hurt my feelings. And this is something that hmm, I'm healing right in this moment with you as my witness. As a child from age eight to 21, I was not allowed to say that someone or something hurt my feelings. That was not an option. And again, no fault to anyone around me. There wasn't room for it. And those are other podcasts, perhaps one day. There just wasn't room for that growing up. The more important topics were, we need to eat. We need a roof over our head. We need clothes. We need food. Those were the topics. What I felt, my feelings being hurt or heard were not a priority. Understandably, from the perspective of the others in the room, but from that little kid, they do matter. And so this is the little kid that is healing right now with you as my witness. This is the little kid that is saying the fact that this friend hasn't even acknowledged my apology or my vulnerability in sharing my vulnerability hurts my feelings. My feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. Whew, that's empowering. That's really empowering. And it's not you hurt my feelings. Let me be very clear. We often go and blame the other. My feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt because of neglect of my feelings when I was a child that is surfacing through these interactions. That's what's going on. What a wonderful, empowering new awareness to have. <laughs> so this entire experience, look what it's cost me. 12 days of drama. If you add in all the way to now, where I still haven't had a response to that text message, 12 days of drama, 12 days of drama. Now I got a podcast episode, so that's kind of good, right? And it's not just a gratuitous podcast episode. It's a substantial podcast episode. It takes the minutia of our lives that we all experience every day, all these little wounds 
what someone said in passing, the person that cut us off at the stop sign or at the stoplight, whatever it is, these are triggers, but they're also opportunities for us to look beneath them, excavate and find out where were we wounded before. You know, what story and what experience from long ago is this bringing up in me? It's being brought up for me to heal it. That's the point of it. That's why human design and gene keys are so empowering. So the takeaways for this entire podcast, there are three things that I just want you to walk away remembering. The first is we are all walking wounded. All of us, none of us escapes the wounding patterns of our childhood. Even if you had the picture perfect childhood, even if all your needs were met, even if your feelings were honored, your wounding might be that you've never had to fail on your own. Whatever it is, I'm just saying we all have wounding and it's nobody's fault. Okay. In some cases, it's people's fault for really horrendous things where there's cruelty and abuse and all of that involved. Absolutely. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the story that I just shared, these woundings that are from our childhood in very sort of normal circumstances, normal everyday upbringings, all right? These present themselves in low-frequency victim behaviors, the pettiness, the cruelty, the blaming, the shaming. These emotions, these ways of behaving, these are what keep us separate. These are what create friction in our relationships and they distract us from our dreams. I just had 12 days of distraction. Think of what I could have done in 12 days instead of being distracted by this. <laughs> Maybe I was only consciously thinking about it for 5% of the time, but in that background, it was doing double time, you know, triple, quadruple time, right? So two. The second takeaway, these petty, ridiculous, embarrassing non-events is where we find our healing. But that healing requires time, courage, and tenderness, tenderness toward ourselves, right? This is not 57-year-old Stacy that's caught up in this drama. This is 12-year-old Stacy or 6-year-old Stacy, right? I'm not 12 anymore or six anymore. So now I have this opportunity to go back there and bring that little girl, bring that tween forward in my life, heal all of that and grow her up so that the next time I'm not triggered, right? So that the next time there's nothing in my energetic makeup that is there for, for this to be triggered. And again, this is one moment. I'm not saying it's perfectly healed. This stuff is going to come up in more and more ways, but the, the reaction is going to be more and more muted until it's eliminated. That's how this deconditioning process works. So the last takeaway is if we want to heal ourselves, we have to have a sense of humor. I mean, this is the most ridiculous, absurd podcast episode based around couscous ever. What I'm sharing with you is it really is embarrassing that I'm putting this out here for you so that you can peer into the way my mind and my body work using human design, the jinkies and the work. It's embarrassing, but I share this example out of love and service, right? Because somebody needs to hear it. Somebody needs to know, oh, that's why I got so upset the other night. Let me look at my human design chart and see what was really going on there, right? So you, this is what it's about. And the thing I promise you is eventually you're going to get to a place where it gives you endless amusement and hilarity, right? And it actually becomes fun because you're in control now. These memories are no longer in control of you. Your mind is no longer in control of you. Your ego is no longer in control of you. You've outed your mind and your ego for what they've been trying to do, which is keep you small and safe by blaming everyone else, shaming everyone else, making that work 
in your favor when really all it's doing is impeding your growth, impeding your curiosity, impeding your joy. <laughs> when we shine a light on these origin stories that are behind the ridiculousness, <laughs> we can finally let them go and we can finally grow, grow into who we're supposed to be. These aligned, blissful versions of ourselves who are here to serve and love others as opposed to sitting in petty grievance. This is the work of healing, guys. Like, this is it. This is it. This is the work of removing layers of these conditioned beliefs, right, that come out of so many places, so many experiences, observing others, um, deciphering the rules of you know, what's acceptable, what's not, storing away those hurts, the wounds, the things people said to us that hurt our feelings that were so painful when we were young that we stuffed them so far down and decided to ignore them and neglect them for the rest of our lives, only for them to resurface in these ridiculous moments about couscous, <laughs> these ridiculous moments as adults, as taxpaying citizens. This is the stuff that takes up our time and our lives. But we can take that back. We can take our power back. I can't emphasize enough. If you're on a healing journey, if you want to get in front of your mind and your ego, instead of letting them run your life, you have to know your human design and gene keys. You have to. You have to get your chart and you have to get support in interpreting it. You can read all about it, but there is a lifetime of difference between reading about it, studying it, and having someone with a perspective outside you to help you interpret it, to help you bring it to life in a way that empowers you. So please, if this rang any bells for you of, ah, she's talking to me or she's talking to someone in my life, please, please, please go to my website, tobeauthentic.co, that's C-O, and download a free human design chart. That's your first step. Again, it's not going to be super helpful on its own. You really do need to have somebody who knows what they're doing walk you through it. It does not have to be me. It can be someone else. There are so many really successful, very good human design readers and practitioners out there. So you have to find the one that speaks to you, that's correct for you. And so find that person. If you think it might be me, I encourage you to book a free 20-minute consult where we can talk through my process and get to know each other a little bit and decide if you want to book a Superpowers and Kryptonite reading. I'm telling you, that reading is going to lift the veil on everything that's not you and everything that is, and it is going to bring you enormous relief and insight. It happens every single time. Every single time someone learns their design, it is a relief. It is a relief because we already know who we are. We just forgot. We've been in a steady process of forgetting because we've been socialized to fit in, to make nice, to live someone else's dream. That is not why we're here. We are here to live our own dream, our own purpose, our own design. And the only way you get to know that is through human design. The only way is through your human design chart and a reading. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me today and for holding space for my ridiculous, embarrassing stories and for not judging them and for laughing alongside me instead of at me. Okay. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of To Be Authentic where we explore the practical side of human design, the gene keys, and the work in an integrated approach we call the quantum way. If you're new to human design and the gene keys, click the links in our show notes to get your free chart and profile. While you're there, subscribe to our mailing list to receive special offers and invitations and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and your podcast provider of choice to never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. 
you make this podcast matter. 